1: That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Hey, it's Aaron from the Sif Pop Podcast. If you'd like an ad-free start to the Studio DNA Podcast, you can support us at patreon.com slash studiodna.
2: Thank you. Sifpop podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience.
1: Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast is currently recording on both tape and digital at the same time for no apparent reason. It's Sifpop.
2: I didn't know we were recording on video at all. Hey, well, now
1: you know. (laughs) Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Spreaker every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get those perks. Patrons get those perks. I'm Aaron Dicer from yourmoviefriend.com. Each week, I'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe decides to be on our minds. In today's guru, from the Horrible Movie Podcast, it's producer Phil.
2: Thank you, everybody. It's good to be here. Oh, no, no, please, please, please stop. Oh, just let it. You're, you're too the, kind. You're too kind. Just soak it in, Phil. <laughs> soak it in. Uh,
1: great to have you back, man. You've been on many times before. Yeah. How? Like, what are some, do you remember some of the episodes that you've been on? Like movies you've talked about or?
2: Gosh, Aaron, you're so memorable. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I was just, yeah, I'm just begging
1: for humility
2: here uh let's see what was the last movie that i did um you've been on what like three or four times yeah i the one one of the favorite my favorite ones that doing with you guys and it was back when andrew was on was uh we did the power rangers movie oh that was back yes. in March. you mean the Krispy cream movie yes yeah, yeah i should have said that uh so yeah no i really enjoyed that episode um but the last time i was on was whatever we did for september 1st okay uh I don't remember what movie was coming out. That so a few ago. months
1: ago. Yeah, yeah.
2: So that w- that was the last time I was on. How have you been since we've spoken to you last? Uh, good. Yeah, yeah? it's um, horrible
1: movie podcast going well.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's going great. Um, as I said earlier, before we were on the air, uh, we love recording in your studio, and um, that's obviously a big change since September. So yeah. In um, case
1: you don't know, horrible movie podcast is now a part of the Studio DNA podcast network that Sif yeah. uh, Pop is a founding part of. So. Uh, so yeah, it's great to have you guys on the team.
2: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and we've really enjoyed getting to know you guys and getting to know the, the network, and um, we're obviously not ready to announce anything, but there's some really cool things coming down the pike uh, in 2018, so um, yeah, we're just privileged to be a part of it. It's been a lot of
1: fun to kind of work together and figure out what it looks like. Yeah, you, you've heard us probably mention Spreaker a lot during this you know transition for the network, and man, would I highly recommend that you uh, check out the the studio on Spreaker because if you love Sif Pop, you know, you're listening to this, you enjoy the show, that's a great place to kind of go deeper. It's kind of the best of SoundCloud, the best of iTunes, like it's all of it in one place. So you can share the episodes, listen to the episodes all the way back to the beginning um, comment on the episodes there. So, you know, like a community can develop there. In fact, as it even incorporates the live stuff that we do. So we record all our podcasts on studio DNA live for the most part, unless there's, you know, uh, some things that happen where we can't go live, uh, that week, but for the most part it's live. And so even there on Spreaker, it's live and you can comment while it's live and we figured out a way to make that still the episode that, you know, so it's, it's kind of really fun. Uh, to kind of have all that together in one place, so we'd love for you to join us. It's just Spreaker.com slash studio DNA, which is the podcast network name. So yeah, you can check and, that out.
2: And I know this isn't new to you guys. You guys have been doing this for a long time with uh, back when you guys were on Mixler and all that. But mm-hmm. uh, we have really enjoyed having live chat with our episodes since September as well. Um, I, I think the live chat ability, to, the ability to get instant feedback from the people who are listening to our show, is yeah. something we've never enjoyed before. So um, we're just we're just really. Uh, happy that we're able to to hear from our fans and people that are, are tuning in. Some of you guys as fans that have followed Studio DNA have also come over to to listen to us as well mm-hmm. and are uh, giving us you know that immediate uh, kickback as well. So we've been really um, really pleased. So thanks for having us. Oh, abs-
1: absolutely, man! It's it is our pleasure, our privilege to uh, to have uh, merged together. So very cool. So wanted to let you know about that. Also, if you listen live, you can of course hear all the. The mess ups and mistakes that uh, that producer <laughs> Phil here gets to edit out each week. Thank you, producer Phil. Yeah, oh yeah we're not worthy. No, it's my pleasure. No, I enjoy awesome it. Awesome stuff. Well, let's kick it off with some. Uh, we're going to have a great, great fun time talking about a lot of stuff this episode. Of course, we'll do our buried treasure at the end. We've got a really cool SIF quest that I'm excited to get to. I like that our SIF quests are turning philosophical in some ways. Uh-huh. You know, people are asking deeper questions, which I love. Uh, So we're going to do that. We've got Best Ever James Franco movies that we're going to rank between the two of us. And of course, we're going to talk about The Disaster Artist. But first, let's do some Do We Care. And for Do We Care this week, let's just talk about the Critics' Choice nominations uh, for movies or TV or whatever kind of caught your eye. Uh, Did you get a chance to
2: look through them at all? Uh, I did not. I'm going to go ahead and pull it up right now.
1: Uh, Yeah, if you do just a search for Critics' Choice, uh, I'm sure you'll be able to to find it. Let's start with the big one, uh, Best Picture we're not going to go through all of these. I just kind of wanted to do some observations. Uh, the answer is obviously I care about this since I'm part of this voting body. Sure. Um, honey, do you feel a lot of people even know what the Critics' Choice Awards are? Like, I feel like there's a, there's a lack of awareness of how the, the whole award system works. Yeah. So I'm curious from someone who maybe hasn't you know, paid as close attention as I do. Um, like, do you I've, think people are aware of it when
2: I, when I learned that you were a part of the Critics' Choice group or whatever mm-hmm. that, that group mm-hmm. is called? Um, I feel like I'd heard of the Critics' Choice Awards, I don't think that I knew very much about what it meant to be a part of it like, mm-hmm. uh, what rules were involved in entry or, um, you know, maintaining your status or what kind of things you guys get to do on a regular right. basis. I've learned all that just from getting to know you. So, um, I would say probably the, the average listener of our show probably understands that it's an award show and that there are critics involved, but they probably don't know a whole lot more details than that. I
1: think most people know the Oscars, the Academy Awards and don't real, and maybe the golden globes, which is really interesting because that body that does the golden globes is such an interesting, weird body of people. It's technically quote unquote, the foreign press association, but it's all shrouded in mystery. Like who's in it and you know how they, and it's, it's not a lot of people who you would think would have influence, you know, on awards kind of stuff. I feel like and they're that, also notorious for, like, being able to be bought, quote-unquote. You know, <laughs> like, if you treat us real nice, you know, we're willing to... That's just kind of the hubbub <laughs> that I hear underneath. So it's interesting that that's kind of the second one that most people know about.
2: I feel like the Golden Globes have, have gotten more mind share in the last five or ten years. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't remember a lot of people t- talking about it. How long has it been around?
1: And that's the other thing. It has been around a while, too. And I think okay. that's why it's kind of become the number two. And also, they include television. Which the Critics' Choice does as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. but um, So I think that's another reason that, that people kind of connected to it. But
2: I don't remember following Golden Globes until like the last decade or so, yeah. um, where I actually cared about what they thought about uh, their awards and stuff like then that. Then
1: after that, you've got the Critics' Choice Awards. Uh, we like to be the first out of the gate. We try to be the first award show. So our nominations are out. Golden Globes will have their nominations out here for another few days. I think they come out this next week. Uh, Our award show will be before those. So we like to get out there first. Um, Part of that is, you know, we want to, we don't necessarily want to be influenced by other awards, you know, bodies, those kind of things. And then other than that, it's kind of the guilds, like, you know, the Producers Guild or the SAG Awards, you know, those kind of things. So then it all just kind of runs, runs together. AFI started to kind of pop. They don't do a show, but the AFI top 10 list comes out about this time every year. That's become another You know, big one as well um, that I really enjoy looking at. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about a couple things here before we move on in the show that that may have popped out. I love our selection of best ever films. I think uh, I shouldn't say best ever. Best films of the year. Um, I think it's a decent list. This is one of those years I was putting together my year end list that I'll get to in January. I kind of reveal that over the course of January once I've seen every single thing I want to see. Uh, As I was putting that together, this is not top heavy like with amazing amazing like here's how i'll say it i don't think there's any movie that came out this year that will crack my top uh 50 movies of all time list oh, or really? top 100 do i do a top 100 now i may i don't think there's any movie that came out this year that will crack that best ever list okay, okay? so it's not top heavy with like incredible movies but overall it is the strongest number 41 because i do 41 of the year uh-huh. it's the strongest number 41 I've ever had like I feel like there are a lot of really good movies that came out this year does that make sense yeah the quantity so it's not higher. like there's like all these super great movies but there's a lot of really good movies I'm very like I went through the entire 41 as I have it now and by the way I still haven't seen Star Wars I'm seeing that Monday uh, this this coming Monday still haven't mm-hmm. seen Phantom Thread those two I'm thinking are maybe the only ones I haven't seen that might crack my year end list mm-hmm. although Greatest Showman maybe because I'm a musical guy it's possible um, already I'm, I'm all 41. I'm like, those are really good movies. Usually my number, like I'm just trying a couple of years ago, my number 41 was San Andreas. Okay. That's not a really good movie. <laughs> That's kind of a fun movie if you, you know, drop your guard and, and have a good time with it. But this year, like, I feel like, you know, it's really strong one to 41. So
2: in your top 50 of all time, do you have other Star Wars movies?
1: Yes. In that list. Okay. Yeah, I do. I have uh, the original Star Wars in that list as well as Empire Strikes Back. Okay. So in fact, I think they're right close to each other. In uh, in my top list of all time, so so
2: it would have to be better than uh, Star Wars Episode Seven to make it into the top. Correct. 50. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. And I really enjoyed Episode Seven. So yeah,
2: I hope it is, man. I hope it just blows everyone away.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, I, so I like these. I probably my main complaint is Coco's not in there. I, I really feel like Coco is one of the top ten movies of the year. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's so well reviewed. It's so well loved. I think it's just one of those. It's like. Yeah, Pixar made a great movie. Uh, that's what they do. You know, and so it doesn't get the same attention.
2: Does Pixar usually make the list for Best Picture?
1: No. Okay. No, they usually don't. Um, uh, like Up was one that made a lot of lists. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Toy Story 3 made right. a lot of lists. Right. But, um, but no, other than that, uh, Inside Out made AFI's list, I think. So and may have gotten some nominations. You but think- no, I think it's just it's just their expectations are so high that they just meet them and so it doesn't feel like anything special when they when they do meet them. So
2: it's not being slighted for animated necessarily. It's
1: Oh no, it's nominated for animated and it it will probably win animated i
2: I mean it's not like um it doesn't lose points for best picture just because it's an animated movie well
1: i think it does with a lot of people okay i think i think that's why you don't see many animated and that's why animated has its own category because for whatever comedy is the same way right that's why it's amazing like the big sick is on this list that's pretty much a straight up comedy i mean there's obviously drama in it but um but I'm, i'm really pleased to see the big sick on there get out i'm pleased to see get out Getting the attention uh, that it's getting, and then the rest are kind of the typicals like Ladybirds on there, uh, Shape of Water, The Post, Dunkirk, um, Darkest Hour. I think these are the movies that you're, you know, you're going to be hearing a lot about during awards season.
2: There's a couple movies on there I've never heard of. Uh, one of them is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of my least favorite. That's give- that's probably what I would replace uh, Coco. Okay, uh, on that list, I'd also probably put. Um, uh 2040 and Blade Runner 2049 on that list and yeah, replace yeah. something but three billboards for me uh, it's it's very problematic i get what people love uh martin McDonough, who who did uh, in bruges which i really loved he has this incredible wit and it's very sharp and dark and in the problem with that is if you don't put a story around it that has some a little bit of light to it a little bit of redemption somewhere or something to feel good about I just I don't enjoy it in some in some of the characters there there are no characters to go oh I'm rooting for that character and that that's rough for me and if you do start rooting for him then it becomes even more problematic because of some of the things they do then it's like I don't know I don't so it's hard for me to interact in the story in a positive way so three billboards wasn't as great for me uh having said that it's a really well done movie so I get why people you know are enjoying it but but yeah that's that's that one
2: I always feel dumb when it comes around to award season because the best picture nominations are mostly movies I haven't seen. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I go to all the like the flashy, um, like the superhero movies and the action movies and the the silly comedies and animated pictures and Oh, never you're get... what
1: you're what they call normal. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a normie.
0: <laughs> no, and
1: that's and that's a, what uh, award season gets uh, hit a lot for. It takes a lot of flack for that. You know, yeah. people not, uh, you know, not. It's, it's not very mainstream in a lot of ways. And that's okay. And I think it's okay because in some ways you want awards to highlight movies that maybe you wouldn't have seen otherwise sure, sure. that are, are worth it. And well, they- some of these movies that are amazing wouldn't exist. If there weren't awards to highlight them and to make back their money.
2: I can tell you, I probably wouldn't have never seen Get Out except Mm -hmm. for your recommendation and every other critics recommendation on the (laughs) planet. I like I really want to see that movie now, but only because of the critics. So you still haven't seen it? No, that's probably the next movie I'm going to see. I, I can't wait to see it, but I don't know that it would have even been on my radar except for critics. So. Yeah. Like for me, like best picture of the year is like a movie like Spider-Man Homecoming. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Hey, I don't blame you. <laughs> I, 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 for me, I feel like one of the things that I try to do is to keep that populist mainstream because it's a part of me, too. So, for instance, when I do my top 41 of the year, you're going to see every single Marvel movie on there. They just hit it out of the park this year. Yeah, Thor, yeah. you know, Spider-Man, which I mean, technically is a you know combo with Sony or whatever, but um and guardians 2 like all of those are going to be pretty high on my list because i love those movies so sue me they're fun they're great like there's nothing wrong with that i feel the same way about pixar too you know those movies are always going to be high up on my list because they're fun they're great they're you know there's i'm not afraid of populism you know uh, populist thinking or popular thinking so you know star wars if i love it it's going to be high on my list you know something doesn't get points for being artsy you know in fact many times it turns me off when i feel like something's trying to be a little too artsy I, like sure. the beguiled is one this year uh, that you probably don't even know about but it's like nicole kidman and and some people are saying you know oh it's so beautiful and it's and i'm just like yeah but it's a boring movie to watch <laughs> like i get exactly what's going like there's nothing interesting like i can go oh look at the tone look at the beauty that's fine but if you don't also have something where i'm like i like watching this movie then that's you know that means something to me. So I do try to keep my brain on that level because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about enjoying the experience, not necessarily breaking it down into ones and zeros and categories and what makes it you know objectively a good movie. It's all subjective, and I want to keep it subjective. I think that's part of the fun, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, looking down the list, there's not a lot more to hit. I will say uh, I was surprised and pleased to see Jessica Chastain nominated for Best Actress for Molly's Game. Uh, I didn't think she would get that nomination, um, but that's great. Uh, best supporting, um, or where's best? I miss best actor. Uh, best actor.
2: Um, James Franco for the disaster artist. I know. Talking we're talking about, about that
1: today. So, yeah. and I was, I was actually surprised to see that. I mean, it's a great performance, yeah. but I didn't know that it would get that kind of attention um, in there. Uh, Gary Oldman is obvious. Tom Hanks is obvious. Really was hoping to see Andy Circus in this category. Um, was pushing for that for his portrayal of Caesar I really think we need to break that down that whatever disconnect we have where it's like why can't he win an award for a performance where what he's doing is more difficult in so many ways than what these people are you know doing sure without that so um so I, I really was hoping that that he would find and also um uh McAvoy from Split. I was really disappointed. Yeah,
2: why isn't that's he on there? an incredible
1: performance. Like it's a, that's a better performance than James Franco's performance. Oh yeah. For right?
2: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I I, I just, James Franco won't, won't win that category. What, what's what's your prediction for that category? Gary Oldman. Okay.
1: Unless something really changes, unless he's the next one on the list of awful people that we keep getting from Hollywood, uh I, I yeah, it's an incredible performance. Yeah, so I, I, I can't see anybody beating him unless well, and I haven't seen the Daniel Day Lewis performance, which is always, uh, you know, an option because <laughs> he's right every time out. He's incredible. So we'll see. Other than that, I don't know that there's really a ton to talk about unless you see something that's I, just, and I don't want to spend the whole show on it. So we kind of spent last show talking about my nomination. So, I you know, I feel like we'd be repeating a lot if we spent a lot of time on it. But I did want to kind of get it out there.
2: Yeah, like like I said, I don't see a lot of these movies, but I am absolutely shocked that James McAvoy is not on Best Actor. I like his. I believed every second of every scene that he was acting in. Of every personality. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I mean, I mean, it's it's enough for someone to maybe. I mean, someone will get Best Actor for playing, you know, eight roles in eight movies or whatever, and the eighth movie is just phenomenal or whatever. But he was playing like eight or nine roles in one movie. Yeah, (laughs) and all of them were completely. Um, perfect so yeah I, I'm just I'm just kind of shocked that that wasn't more people more critics choice didn't nominate him
1: absolutely uh, baby driver got its nomination in editing which I thought it would get uh, Coco got its nomination for song remember me uh, I hope that that wins um, I think did it's, Coco got three nominations I can't remember what the third was uh, animated film uh, song and then it may have been it may have been score what is it no it couldn't have been score uh, I also like that when we do action and comedy movies, we try to make them actual action and comedy movies. Um so for Best Comedy, Big Sick, Disaster Artist, Girls Trip, Um, I Tanya, those are all actual comedies. Um so
2: did you I ever look like at the numbers of like how many awards they're nominated for? Yeah. Um it looks like uh, *Shape of Water* is nominated for fourteen, and that's
1: because *Shape of Water* is is nominated in every acting category, and it's also nominated in the technical categories. I think that m- that most nominated movie is misleading sometimes. It doesn't because you know, for instance, you know, you see, okay, *Shape of Water* got fourteen nominations. I guess it's going to win Best Picture. It doesn't work like that because it's only that it did well enough in all the different categories to get nominated, but that doesn't mean it's the actual best movie. Um, which I, I think if I'm reading the tea leaves right, I think is going to be either Dunkirk or Ladybird. I think one of those two might be. Ladybird is interesting because it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes still. Oh really? Not a single <laughs> critic has said they don't like it. Yeah, that's crazy. So that that tells me something. So I, this I, is a really interesting year for Best Picture. Oh, I'm yeah. telling you, this yeah. this is like there's no runaway. Even close. I mean, I'm looking at this. I think six of those could win. Yeah. Legitimately, it wouldn't surprise me. It's pretty so, amazing.
2: Yeah, number of nominations. Shape of Water has 14. And then the next one down is eight. So yeah. they, they have like six more than even the second place. And... and again,
1: that's because visual effects. You know, a lot of great movies yeah. aren't going to necessarily get, but Shape of Water does because of the creature work right? Right. in it. So it gets visual effects, you know, are cinematography. For
2: there there are four that ha- that share eight nominations. It's Lady Bird, The Post, Call Me by Your Name, and Dunkirk.
1: And any of those could win. Yeah, any of those could win. I'm leaning. I'm leaning as far as who I think is going to win to Dunkirk right now. Oh really? I that's that's how I'm leaning. There's just something about Nolan. He's got he's got that respect from critics, and yeah. so I I wouldn't be surprised. But man, do people love Lady Bird. I'm not giving away what my vote's going to be yet. <laughs> But uh
2: and there's some proximity uh, with with Lady Bird, right? Like people literally just watched it, and so well, there's proximity
1: with most of these. Oh, are they pretty late? Um, Dun- Dun- the Kirk Big Sick summer. came out earlier. Um, <clears throat>
2: Dunkirk get was out summer, right?
1: Get the Big Sick, Get Out, and Dunkirk are the only three that didn't just come out. Yeah, so that's award season. You know, that's that's what happens. Yeah, well, there you go. Cool. Uh, if you have any opinions on the award nominations, by the way, the awards happen uh, January 11th. I will be there um, and be live tweeting from the awards that will be airing on the CW um, that night. I think they start at six specific time. So, however, that so it airs or, live. Yeah, yeah, wow, airs okay. live on uh, January 11th, and I will do my voting on January 9th is when they send out the ballots. So. They must
2: do some kind of delay thing, like if someone like. Drops a swear or something. Yeah, I like think that. it's on
1: a little bit of a delay. Um <laughs> that definitely happens. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. The first I heard it happen was Sandra Bullock. Really? Uh, she won <laughs> she won an award in I can't remember I, I can't I I don't want to butcher it, but it was hilarious. But <laughs> it may have been when she won Best Actress in an action movie and she talked about how her whole career she wanted to be an action star. And <laughs> anyways, it was funny stuff. Uh and then um uh who's the guy that that does all the the comedies these days? He he basically did a stand-up comedy routine when when he went out there. Um I can see his I can see his face. His name is just slipping my brain. Did like a uh, 40-year-old virgin and um
2: Steve Carell?
1: No, 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 it's not an actor. It's the the producer. Oh, the producer. Yeah, uh, Apatow. Judd Apatow. Okay. He did a uh a, a profanity-laced comedy <laughs> routine. So did they, they just presented.
2: strike, I mean, when you did, I don't know if you even go back and watch it, but like, did they just strike that whole I didn't go section? back and watch it. I don't know. <laughs> I,
1: I'm assuming, yeah, I'm assuming it just gets muted a lot. Yeah. And then in post-production, they tighten it up and, and <laughs> do whatever and bleep it. But uh, the this will be my fifth, I think, awards cool. that I've gone to. Cool and uh I, in the previous now, four years i've been on camera three times really so a uh, three of the awards i, I was so. gonna
2: ask that i was gonna actually say it jokingly I'm like oh i guess i'll see you on but you actually could be on screen oh i
1: i people were emailing me the first year because i was walking <laughs> back to my seat right when the camera yeah and i mean i was just like i walked like right in front of the That's camera cool. that first year I, so I have to check it out. my wife and i so yeah that that was fun i, so. I know
2: i always enjoy hearing your uh, when you get back from the trip, your stories about the celebrities that you got to
1: yeah. shake hands with and talk to and stuff. That's really awesome. Denzel Washington has such soft hands. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, all right, let's move on uh, to the next section of SIF uh, Pop, which uh, I think we're going to review, The Disaster Artist.
0: Los Angeles, everybody want to be star. You have to be the best and never give up. When I get up on stage in front of people, all I can think about is What if they laugh at me? But you, man, you're fearless. I want to feel that, too. I don't care. I'll do it. You and me, we both have this
1: dream. Yeah, I guess we do. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be famous. We'll show them. Watch out, here we go. To be or not to be.
0: It's not going to happen for you.
1: Not in a million years. But after that, it's town, Greg. They don't want me
0: wish we could just make our own movie.
1: That's a great idea. James Franco transforms the tragicomic true story of aspiring filmmaker and infamous Hollywood outsider Tommy Wiseau, an artist whose passion was as sincere as his methods were questionable, into a celebration of friendship, artistic expression, and dreams pursued against insurmountable odds. It's based on Greg Sestero's best-selling tell-all about the making of the cult classic disaster piece, called The Room, or as some people call it, the greatest bad movie ever made. Uh, And so let's talk a little bit about the disaster artist, Phil. uh, We like to start off with a very simple, did you like it, love it, it was okay, dislike it, or hated it?
2: Um, I'm going to go with, I liked it.
1: I think liked it's where I land, very squarely in the middle of liked it. Not even approaching loved it. Not approaching it was it was just right there in the middle of liked it. Yeah. Seems like a very clear
2: liked it for me. And I'll kind of telegraph my review a little bit. Just well, with, let's get into with, it. No, okay. just go for it. Um, this is a movie that so I was talking to my wife about it this morning. She's like, "So how was the movie?" And I told her and kind of went into some details about it. And she's like, "So what's your overall kind of thinking about it?" And I was like, "I am glad I watched it. Mm-hmm. Like I had a, a very good experience. It's a movie that I was glad to have seen." that I will probably never see again. And it's not because I dislike the movie. And, and oftentimes I will say I didn't want to, I don't want to watch the movie again because it was a horrible experience. It right. was a good experience, but it, the movie is so much like a documentary to me. It's not a documentary. It's, I mean, it is a acted out, plot filled film um, based on a true story. But, but it's,
1: it's very biopic yeah. in that way. It's it's a lot of information.
2: It, it reminded me of like, um, even though I would see these movies, maybe, again, just because it's been so much time, um, I've never rewatched like, Ed Wood or Man on the Moon or anything mm-hmm. like that. Right. Because once you get that information, it's like, okay, I already know that information, so I don't need to know it again. Yeah, there's not an experience
1: I'm craving to have again after a movie like this. Yeah, yeah. You know? And the, the only thing... Uh, I mean, the only way it would maybe be that for somebody is if they were a hardcore fan of The Room sure, or something sure. like that, where they're now they're watching both The Room and The Disaster Artist as these pieces of of the puzzle kind of thing. No, I think I think that's fair. Um, I think there are things to really love about it. Oh, I yeah. think Franco's performance, as we've already kind of mentioned in the, uh, you know, talking about the nominations, is phenomenal. Yeah, like, he's It's fantastic. incredible when you see that stuff at the end, the side-by-sides. Yeah.
2: I mean, he, he really—you can tell—he became tell Tommy Wiseau. He really did. There's no way that he didn't see that movie at least 40 times. Like he—he he embodied 40,000. Yeah, <laughs> he embodied that pers- that persona of Tommy Wiseau, and and it's a big persona, big shoes to fill, uh, so perfectly. Like, and it, and I had seen—I I had the benefit of seeing The Room. Well, I, I don't know that anyone's ever said those words before, but <laughs> I, I had the I had the benefit of the seeing... the pleasure. <laughs> what I mean is, uh, I saw it just the night before seeing. Uh, the Disaster Artist. Oh, so, so you just saw it for yeah, the first time. I literally, had, I had never even heard of the room until a few months ago. And I I'll, think most people
1: are like that. It's yeah. I, it's a cult classic for a reason. I don't think oh, there's yeah. a ton of people that have seen it.
2: In fact, um, I, I've and I told you before we started recording, but I've been reading The Disaster Artist a little bit, just kind of skimming through it, just partly in prep for the show. But I think I'm going to read the whole book. Um,
1: and that's written by Greg Sestero. By Greg, yeah, who was there the whole time with Tommy and kind yeah. of doing this thing. And
2: really, and I'm not sure how much the movie it, this is understood in the movie, but like he was with Tommy for five years before they even started filming the movie. So mm-hmm. like they they actually go back quite a ways even before the first take. But um, he uh, in the book w- is talking about how um, it is. Um, a movie that didn 't really get any kind of following or grounding not not in the big big time like where now there's mm-hmm. like public screenings of this movie like you can go see Often. it in theaters, yeah. yeah. Uh, until like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and so like if you have heard of the movie be- like before two thousand eight, two thousand nine, you're a part of a very small number of people, mm. and so um, very small number, of people. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, and I just heard about it a few months ago, mo- mostly because this movie was coming out with James Franco, and then uh, finally watched it on I watched The Room on um Thursday night, and then I watched The Disaster Artist Friday night last night, uh, and watching those two movies within twenty four hour. I highly recommend doing that. Like, if you if you haven't seen the room at all, or haven't seen it in a while, go see the room. Kind of get that into your recent memory banks, and then go watch the Disaster Artist right after that.
1: I have a lot of cautions with this movie, and one of them is the caution of if you're not aware of the source material, I I feel like it must be a surreal experience to watch the Disaster yes. Artist. Like, I feel like you would have to be th- thinking this is a fiction. You know what I mean? Like, right. so I. I don't know that that makes it a better or worse experience. I just feel like the caution is there to go, you may want to watch The Room first just so you have some foundation and you don't feel like, like, like because I imagine you'd feel like, oh, they're playing this up. Oh, they're exaggerating this. But if you watch The Room, you know, oh, no, they're doing exactly what they did in the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I wonder if you almost would sell the movie short or have some, um, some different negatives with the movie that you might not if you'd seen the room because you're thinking they're overperforming or what, un, overperforming the underperforming, or <laughs> however you would say that.
2: So let me let me I I totally agree with you with everything you just said. If I could compare it to a, a, like a film uh, fiction watching experience, um, it would if Star Wars Episode One was the first Star Wars movie that you ever saw. Um, I think you would. It's not a great movie, but you would like, you would enjoy the movie and and understand what's happening in the plot, but you would not understand the significance or the gravitas, the weight. Context, of, yeah. yeah, and so. It's this movie is like that. It's like watching a prequel to a movie that you've never seen the original of. And so, I don't think you'll be completely lost, but there are some inside jokes, some laughter moments and stuff like that that you just simply won't laugh at. Everyone else in the room will, but you won't because you haven't you don't understand the context for it.
1: Right. No, I I totally agree. That's that's one caution. The other caution is kind of along with that is the strangeness of it. It yeah. is a very weird movie. And if weird things are not interesting to you, <laughs> I I think you're gonna be turned off by the movie. Like it's just, it's, it's weirdness personified and uh, Tommy Wiseau is a strange person and he made a very strange movie. And because of that, this movie is also very strange. Um, so I just, just the caution of if you aren't into like quirk culture, like strangeness, um, that's okay, you know, but this is going to be a very strange experience. Yeah. So I, I just I think that's a, a warning well worth throwing out there as well. Was there anything else positive you want to say about it?
2: Um, I mean, obviously, I, I think James Franco kind of steals the limelight. Um, I really enjoyed Dave Franco's performance. Um, I think I th- the
1: performances all around are great. Yeah. Nobody's taking away from the film. Oh, it's yeah. so it's so weird to think about great performances because they're doing. You know what? You'll hear people saying, I think this is true. And you're a singer, Phil, as well. Yeah. You'll hear people say, you can tell someone's a great singer when they can sing really poorly purposefully. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like that's like next level being able to sing, you know, is when you're a great singer and can also purposely sing poorly. I think the same is true maybe of acting too. You can be a great actor, but there's something special about being able to be a bad actor greatly. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And and these people are doing that here. Um, Zach Efron has a kid. There are a lot of great cameos here. Yeah. Um and and they're all doing a really good job.
2: Well, I really liked how the this is not a spoiler at all. The movie opens with some uh, I I think it's genuine comments from big time celebrities. Yeah. Uh, I won't I guess spoil who they are, but like there's several different celebrities that I think from seeing the ones that are on screen, where I've read online, I think they're genuine in what they say. Like mm-hmm. I don't think they're acting out of line. I think these celebrities genuinely enjoy watching in all of its horribleness, this original film Mm -hmm. and to get their thoughts on it at the very beginning of the movie, I think set the precedence for like, okay, what you're about to see is absolute insanity and embrace it. Like just go for it and you'll have a good time watching this.
1: It is the, it does lead me to really my one major negative with the film. And I'll go ahead and go here. Although I do think there are other positives with the production. I think it's edited well. I think you know they tell the story concisely and yet we get all our information, but the negative I have, and I think these people at the beginning, you know, talking about their respect for the room mm-hmm. is this movie goes out of its way to honor the room. Yes, but no matter how far you go, at the end of the day, this is about making fun of something. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can you can call it honoring and respecting, and and they try very very hard to do that with this movie. But at the end of the day, this is something that's popular because it's. Awful, yeah, and that's icky to me a little bit. I felt yeah. the same way about William Hung. Do you remember William Hung on American Idol? Did mm-hmm. she bangs? She bangs. She bangs. <laughs> oh, oh. Anyways, he he got very very popular because he was so awful, and I felt icky through that whole thing because you're putting somebody on a pedestal for quote unquote failure. Now there's a yeah. beauty. Don't get me wrong. There's a beauty of accepting humanity. In understanding, oh, you're not a bad person because you can't act or can't sing. You know, you're a wonderful person. But there's a difference between that in lauding the awfulness. Right. Because I think even as much as you may respect the person, you are lauding something that's gonna cause others to disrespect them. Right. If that makes sense. It's hard to put words <clears throat> on completely, but I felt a little icky. This movie made me feel a little icky.
2: Yeah, it it is akin almost a bullying, maybe, like um mm-hmm. that you're just picking on someone that um doesn't, isn't in on the joke. Um, right. And so, uh, and unfortunately that is the case for Tommy. Like um, I've seen several um, sound bites from him and stuff like that. And he, to this day, genuinely uh, considers his movie to be one of the greatest movies of all time. And so um, there is a little bit of a bullying. If you're aware of that going into yeah. this movie, there is a little bit of a bullying aspect to it. Um, now, granted the actors and actresses that are portrayed in the film uh, are not it, they are in on the on the joke like the actual actresses that were mm-hmm. in the, in that film. Um, know that the movie was bad. Uh, they have said so many, many times since then, uh, and oftentimes have said that they don't regret being in the movie. Like they said, "Yeah, it was a horrible movie, but it was kind of, it was a fun experience. A experience that no one, uh, no one, hardly anyone in the world will ever have sure. in their lifetime." I get and, it. Yeah. And so I was I was glad to be a part of it. But but yeah, knowing that the that, that Tommy actually really reveres his own movie, it's it is hard to watch it sometimes because they're clearly making fun of him. Well, it, uh, they're clearly making fun of him, and even. when when they're honoring
1: him in many ways, he is not somebody and they're being honest about, you know, some of the, the things that he did, but it's not, I mean, it's not laudable the way he treated people or the things, he, especially the, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to say uh, abusive, gender abusive things he did, you mm-hmm. know, to the women on the set, those kind of things. Uh, it's just one of those things where it all just gets a little bit icky and muddy to me. And in fact, I, the themes I like of, Uh, pursuing your artistic vision even when it may not make sense to a lot of people that's beautiful i there's something really beautiful about somebody who makes something that they love even if nobody else loves it right that's fine but um actually for my buried treasure i have an example that is that theme that's a lot less icky uh and so it's just there's there's just something about this that i couldn't 100% get on board with and it's it's hard to put your finger on because it's so well done and Franco's incredible in the performance and it is entertaining you know to think about this situation and and kind of what happened but um but yeah that ickiness really brings it down for me
2: um uh, I'll say this right before my one more thing I guess but um that this movie does have some aspects of period film to it which I thought was really intriguing as well like it's not just a story about. Um, some very unusual circumstances that surrounded the making of this film. Um, but it also kind of th- throws in some of the music, the soundtrack that's involved in the movie and stuff like that um, really puts you in the early 2000s, um, which I was graduating college. I graduated college in 2002. This They were filming this movie in 2002, 2003. And so there's a lot of that. Um, like they did a, a really good job of putting you back in, 2002 2003 which is now 15 years removed from us it's interesting right because i
1: don't think of the 2000s as having any (laughs) kind of distinct fashion or where we've talked about this i think i'm on one of the podcasts i do i can't remember which one but you're right when you actually go back and see you know 2005 in in pictures or whatever yeah. i'm like oh yeah i guess we i guess there is a fashion sense in haircuts and yeah, it's interesting how time continues and people you know change so. there was
2: a comment about uh frosted tips at one point i was just like i remember frosted I Tips. i have frosted tips <laughs>
1: absolutely absolutely
2: so
1: um yeah my, my one more thing is um i would mention uh the sense of humor I you know it is it the humor is funny it's well done even beyond just kind of the making fun that we're talking about uh, there's a real good sense of timing and in the non movie scenes uh, so I I thought I i that, I guess that would be my one more thing is I think the Franco brothers could do a lot of great work together you can tell that they yeah. they play off of each other really well so Dave Franco's good like yeah. you know it's it's interesting. To think, and we're going to move into the best ever challenge where we talk about Franco, but it's interesting to look back at his filmography and go, was there really ever any sign that he was, you know, going to be a, an award nominated actor, uh-huh. you know? So, um, he's very eccentric but and talented.
2: Yeah. And, and like in his normal everyday life, like if you see him on uh, The Tonight Show or something like that, like he's definitely kind of a weird dude at, at times. Like mm-hmm. he's not, um, uh, you don't get the sense that he was like the popular kid necessarily in high school, like a lot of these celebrities were. Um, which is funny because when he broke in, it was
1: as good looking James Dean type, yeah. you know, which there's a lot of James Dean yeah, stuff in the movie too, which I found interesting. <laughs> but, so.
2: but what a perfect celebrity to cast as. Tommy Wiseau, who is also very eccentric, much more so, I mean, to the nth degree, more beyond James Franco, but, uh, he kind of looks like him, especially when he gets the black wig on or whatever, however they did his hair, like he, he, uh, I think he's the closest to Tommy was maybe not the closest but one of the closest celebrities that we have nowadays in real life and then just to kind of push him even further into that role I think it was a really easy I mean the the to play the role was very difficult but um, other people would have had a more difficult time at getting into that role as no Frank I think did. that's
1: I think that's a good point um, his his quirkiness allows him to connect to that character yeah. in some ways but honestly we don't know a lot about we still don't know a lot about no. Tommy Wiseau. I don't know and, how old he is, don't know where he's from, don't know where all his money came from. Yeah, um,
2: yeah, The the this is not a spoiler because I won't say what it is, but at the movie, it there's text on the screen that says we still don't know this, this, or this, mm-hmm. and and it's just like, okay, well, I mean, I learned a lot about which the movie, is kind of scary some, sometimes, usually he's he's
1: when people are a mystery, it's for a reason. Yeah. So
2: he's an enigma for sure, and it, it's one of those things where, like, will we ever know, you know, like maybe. After his death or something, I don't know. Um, it's it's really. We'll figure bizarre. out eventually. <laughs> figure
1: out who Tommy Wazoo is and how many licks it takes to get to the center of a tootsie yeah. roll tootsie pop, and we'll know those things, and we'll all be happy I, in I heaven. Think
2: the ladder's been solved. I think it's three. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was a bite. You can't call that a lick. That wasn't solved. It's cheating. I guess my my one more thing would be. Um, I, I just, did you already have a one more thing? Isn't no, this no. Your, I said two this, more I things? said before my one more thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm cheating here. I'm giving you two here. Um, no, I would say my. Um, I really enjoyed. This is not a spoiler. There is a childlike nature to Tommy Wiseau that I think is near perfectly um, addressed in this film. Like there is, um, he's an adult. In fact, he's an adult of an age that we don't even know. But he acts like a child. He he almost feels like, okay. So um, I work in a high school where. Uh, my room, my office, is right next to the special education room. Mm-hmm. And I love those kids. I love seeing them with their smiles. They're they're so happy, or they it's it's a um a range of emotions. They're either super happy or super afraid or mm-hmm. uh, super uh, confused or curious. Like everything's mm-hmm. to the nth degree, right? And there is a childlike nature to them, where even though they're embodying a sixteen-year-old's body, they still have the minds of. Mm-hmm. In some cases, you know, they're all different, but some of them have the the mind, the the way that they act and speak sure. of a seven-year-old or a six-year-old or a four-year-old. And I almost feel like that's some of Tommy Wiseau's performance as well, or um, persona as well. And James Franco's performance, I think, brings that out in a really well. And the way that it's written as as well, uh, and the props that are involved. I won't go into. Um, Unless we do a spoiler episode, but um, you see parts of him that are like, man, he is acting like a child, and I'm not even sure that he's aware of it. And yeah. I think all of that comes out really, really well in the film. If you're a, a a fan in a cult way of the room, you will understand a lot more about Tommy Wiseau having watched this movie. So, yeah, definitely recommend. Absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to the best
1: ever challenge. Uh, we're going to talk best ever James Franco movies since he gave such a great performance in this movie. It was interesting looking through his, you know, list of movies he's been in. Lots of stuff I've never seen. Like, i mean, he. Oh, yeah. The last three years, he's been in like forty
2: movies in the last three <laughs> years.
1: How does he even like? Plus, he's doing the Deuce right now. Like, he's he's is, working. Is, he's is a he, working actor. I was
2: gonna say, is he one of the most hardworking?
1: Last couple years, uh, it feels like, that, looking at his uh, his list, it's, it's in, been a in lot Hollywood, of stuff.
2: There may not be that many people that are working harder than he is, and yet no one, I mean, not no one, but a lot of people don't really talk about him very much. Yeah. Um, having said that, not a lot of great
1: movies. <laughs> <laughs> but There's a few we can talk about. We'll go number three to number one. Uh, if you've got one higher than I do, feel free to trumpet. I will do the same so we can talk about it with whoever has it highest on their list. Uh, we'll go from number three to number one and then talk some honorable mentions too. So um, I'll start us off this time.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, my number three is Spider-Man 2.
2: That's also my number
1: three. Oh, well, let's just <laughs> talk about it. Um, yeah, I, he, he is interesting in those movies. Yeah. I think, I think he's cast fairly well. But Spider-Man 2 is the best of those Spider-Man movies. I agree. And I think uh, as the Spider-Man stuff has progressed, and t- Tom Holland's doing a great job, but I think people forget how good Spider-Man 2 is. That's a really good film. Yeah. So
2: I've recently gone back and and rewatched those. Um, in fact, I think I rewatched them last year. Just as they were making uh, announcements about Spider-Man Home Homecoming coming out and mm-hmm. being a part of Marvel and all that, um, I went back. And I was like, let's. I I talked to my wife. I was like, Let, let's go back and watch those re- those original ones. And she's like, why <laughs> Why do you want to do that? <laughs> I was like, you know what? There's some charm to them. And so uh, we watched them. And yeah, se- the second one was definitely my favorite. Um, the third one was rough uh, in some spots. Um, yeah, and the first one I think is is good, but they were still trying to figure out this new medium of exactly. s- superhero movies. Like it was kind of the first of its kind. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, X Men had happened. Yeah,
1: um, so there there've been a couple, but
2: um, it's it's definitely. It has some edges that you can see that are definitely rough um but yeah the second one I, I felt like kind of took everything that was wrong not everything maybe but most of the things that were wrong from the first movie and polished them up a little bit added uh you know a, you know, now you've got two villains and i think there was more going on with the characters mm-hmm. <clears throat> and backstory and all that so um no, i really like james franco's performance i know this doesn't necessarily mean that james franco was good in these movies but i thought he did a really good job in that too
1: yeah, I think once you got to three, people, you know, make fun of the dance scene and, you know, those <laughs> kind of things. And I guess that stuff didn't bother me. I mean, it's Raimi, right? Like, it, yeah. you know, he's we talk about quirky characters, oh, yeah. you know, um, you know, somebody else we could have talked about that maybe could have played Tommy Wiseau is like Johnny Depp. You know, there's yeah. just some <laughs> actors that have that quirkiness built into them. Um, but but yeah, but Spider-Man 2 is the best of them. And I, I really love a lot of what's going on there. Uh, my number two and this might be either your number two or number one, we'll see, is uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes.
2: So, yeah, it's a Trump. All right, we'll
1: wait wait for that then. Uh, What is your number two?
2: Um... I asked you if this was a cheat before we started recording. (laughs) Your number two is a cheat. So, okay. Here's the thing is, um, you mentioned he's done all these movies. His IMDb is like 60 or 70 movies long of those 60 or 70. I've only seen like seven of them. Okay. (laughs) So like doing the top three is kind of easy for me because there's only six total or seven total. Um, so, I had to throw in a movie that probably most people wouldn't think of is Alien Covenant. Does that does that even count? It counts. I, he's, if, he's in but a photo. It, you're saying it's better than Spider-Man 2. Did you love Alien Covenant? I did love Alien Covenant. Oh, wow. I I, I don't know that I would use the word love. I, I would say that I strongly liked uh, Alien okay. Covenant. I mean, so. he's in it. I mean, he's just a picture, Yeah. right?
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess he has, I guess there's video too. There is some that's video true. of him climbing, oh, the, I forgot about that. the rock climbing or whatever. Yeah, yeah but what a what a weird thing and i guess technically he's in the you know container that he dies in or whatever yeah. but man what a what a weird thing but yeah no it's not about his performance in the movie yeah, it's like, about the movie itself so if yeah. you think alien Covenant's is second best ever then go for it yeah. i didn't think that was the, uh, that you didn't like did, it as much as me no yeah. no i don't hate it like some people do but we There's actually definitely did, enough distracting and wrong with it that it annoys me.
2: We did uh, Alien Covenant on the Horror Movie Podcast. Actually, it was one yeah. of our episodes, so uh, you can hear. More and I of wrote. I wrote. There, uh,
1: but, I wrote for that uh, Cinema Sins video too for the yeah, Alien Covenant yeah. Cinema Sins. So I have studied in detail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how wrong some of the things are on there.
2: Yeah. No, I, I really liked it. I, I, I'm. I'm just a general fan of like prequel movies, like learning more about like how things got started. Mm-hmm. And I thought they did. i I think they did several things right. Um, there were some things that I was expecting to happen that didn't happen. And those were disappointments. Um, but I didn't, I didn't dislike my time with it. Like I, I actually kind of enjoyed it as a action flick. So that's great. I love it when
1: people like movies I don't necessarily (laughs) enjoy. Um, I, I feel set my sadness about the alien franchise is I feel like they have squandered some really good ideas by getting distracted by things that aren't important in both Prometheus and covenant. There are some really beautiful, thematic ideas in those movies that if they had chosen to make the movies about that instead of prioritizing the horror element of it or um, the sci-fi element of it those are important things and both those should be there but if they had prioritized the themes those could have been amazing movies Uh, some of the themes about satan in alien covenant are unbelievable um, their direct quotes it's obvious the scriptwriter was going for that mm-hmm. but it just they did not choose to connect that well yeah. uh, enough for it to be you know anything special so
2: I, I wonder if um, Alien Covenant will get better after the next movie comes out like I don't um, know uh, we kind of you guys kind of mentioned that about Rogue One, like Rogue One makes episode four a better movie, obviously. Mm-hmm, sure, um, I think so. Makes, episode, makes it more powerful. Yeah, um, I almost wonder if the third movie might make Alien Covenant a better movie because I think they're setting up, setting up a lot of stuff that hasn't happened yet. So. Sure,
1: yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right, uh, I guess we'll talk about my number one and then talk about uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes for okay. your number one and my number two. Uh, my number one is 127 Hours. Okay. Um, I haven't I, seen that one. It is intense and... Beautifully triumphant uh, about survival, and it reminds. It is the movie version of the best version. Nobody else is going to remember this. I don't think. There's a, a magazine called Guideposts, I think, and they always had this uh, something in real, like danger in real life or trauma in real life, and it was the only thing I ever read. My grandma got these magazines, and they were always in in uh, her house, and I'd always find a stack, and I'd go right to the, you know drama in real life or danger in real life. And it was always these survival tales about, you know, true tales about how somebody survived something. This is like the best movie version of that that I've ever seen, where it's just like, how is this person going to survive? What are they going to do? It is grotesquely authentic Mm. to what he had to do in that situation. And, And it has stuck with me in a way, probably because of that, but also because of just what and what I do, and I'm not—I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I put myself in the situation: Would I be able to do that? Would I be able to overcome that? Um, and the answer is probably no. Um, but you just never know till you're there. Right. And I—I uh, I think I'd probably be dead in the desert somewhere if I were in <laughs> his same situation. But I don't know that. And you know, just to think about those things and to see—and his performance is great in it. It's—it's it's a very a uh, simple movie set. Why, you know, like it just follows, it's just kind of one location. I love that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's one of my favorites, certainly for him that he's been in. So that's 127 hours.
2: So why don't you kick us off on uh, rise of the planet of the apes? Um, I mean, we were talking about Andy circus earlier. I mean, um, his ability to create a character that otherwise, you know, without CGI, without what we can do and stuff like that would simply would not exist. Um, you know, he, they rely heavily on him. Um, uh, he was Gollum, right? Mm-hmm. In the, yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, Gollum and these ape characters, In Kong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I mean, and specifically um, uh, Caesar. I mean, like, he's just his ability. To, like, I believe that Caesar is a real, per- a real ape, like a real yeah. animal, an apeson. Yeah, and I believe that Gollum really did exist. Like, you know, these are real people. Um, and I don't know that I've felt that from anyone else. Like, I mean, there are, there have certainly been other CGI only characters. Um, that haven't been done well and uh, I know that I'm watching a movie as I'm watching them but I almost feel like as I'm watching the new Apes films and I've not seen the, the new one that just came out the, the war it's of the really war. great yeah I can't wait to see that one Um, but uh, as I'm watching these movies I feel like they are 100% real like there's it's not like a CGI with mixed in with, with um, you know live action it, it's all live action to me and it's all because of, of what he can do Um, that said about the performance but the plots and the uh, themes of the movies, what they have to say about real life and about um, uh, struggle for power and, um, you know, leadership and all the things that embodied those movies. These movies should not be as good as they are. (laughs) Like, I I keep trying to get my wife to watch them and she's like, really? Planet of the Apes? I'm like, (laughs) you got to set all of your... your assumptions aside and watch these movies. They're phenomenal.
1: That was the thing about this movie specifically that, that Franco was, you know, the most in. Yeah. Uh, is that I, the expectations were non-existent. Like it was just like, Oh really? We're making, cause you had just come from the horrible remake that, you know, Marky Mark did. <laughs> uh, was that Tim Burton, right? Tim Burton did that remake. I, think. I, I don't know, but Marky Mark starred in it. I could be wrong about that. But anyways, that wasn't very good. And you're just like, really, do we need to revisit this again? And then you, you go into it. And it's like, Oh wow, they care about this. Yeah. <laughs> they made this feel real to me. They yeah. made this feel like it's great when you you can take what is essentially a wonderful concept that somebody has butchered or you know done poorly and redeem it. They redeemed the concept because they mm. took it seriously. They took it legitimately, and they said, "Okay, here's how this would actually play out." And I love that, you know. Yeah. And there, it, it made me start thinking about other high concept movies that were butchered that you're like oh can somebody redeem that concept the most recent example is Downsizing which most people haven't seen because it doesn't come out incredible conceptually I love the first half hour of that, like really love the first half hour of that movie as it sets up the concept and then Alexander Payne just butchers it as far as I'm concerned like he yeah. just he, he makes a movie I don't care about and he doesn't he, it's because he's, he does not prioritize the authenticity of the concept to tell the story that it needs to tell he prioritizes whatever he found important about that story. And it just wasn't something I found important about that story. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I love when, when those things can be redeemed and that's what happened in this situation is like, Oh, they totally redeemed the concept of apes growing intelligent and what that would look like and how that would develop. So
2: they do an excellent job of making you care about these characters that at first you're not sure if they're the villains or the heroes. And um, as you get to know, you know, obviously there's, both in, in both the human right um, aspect, there's, yeah. there's villains and heroes and then the apes have villains and heroes but um the heroes are abundantly likable um mm-hmm. caesar is a great husband father you know like they, they do lots of uh, set up scenes that really make you care about these characters which i was really surprised at to be honest um but i have really enjoyed in those films so i can't wait to watch the third the third one
1: um, well, there you go. Those are top three. Any honorable mentions you wanted that you had that you wanted to mention? I just have a couple.
2: You know, I I, I didn't want to like mention other Spider-Man movies or other Apes movies. Yeah, or sure, no, yeah. So I, I the only other one I would say is the Disaster Artist. I I, I thought he his performance. We've already talked about it, so I sure, say yeah, more, yeah. But his performance is just incredible. It's a good movie.
1: Uh, recently, he was in a comedy with Brian Cranston called Why Him? Um, I think that's underrated. Um, it is really funny. And he gives a good performance in it, so I thought I'd mention that. He's also in Milk, which is the um, Sean Penn uh, oh, yeah. thing about uh, Harvey Milk, um, which is great, well done movie. Um, of the comedies he's done with like Rogan and the crew and all those guys, yeah, I, I don't generally, I don't generally like those very much um i get it's just a sense of humor that doesn't connect with me Mm -hmm. so but of those pineapple express i think is the the most well done
2: i've heard lots Um, of good comments about that yeah
1: it's because it exists on an action movie level too okay that it shows a little talent beyond just being goofy and making jokes with your friends kind of thing yeah which again i'm not saying isn't entertaining to a lot of people it just doesn't connect to me uh, their their style of humor n- doesn't necessarily connect to me. And the other one I would mention, with all the cautions in the world, <laughs> is Spring Breakers. Okay. What a weird and strange and uh, fascinating movie. In um, his performance is also weird and strange and fascinating in that. I'm not saying it's great. I'm saying I think it deserves an honorable mention in his category of movies of one that if you haven't seen, you might find something curious there. Yeah. Um but again all the cautions. I feel on that like one.
2: James Franco is is one of the actors that I like the most that I just dislike the movies that he does yeah <laughs> like i i don't the choices he makes. yeah i would like to see james franco in more movies but he doesn't typically do movies that i want to see unfortunately exactly, no totally e- either totally they're either. super artsy and i'm not always into that kind of stuff or they're super r-rated mm-hmm. and i, I i'm kind of cheesy about those too so well um, for
1: me it's not even the uh it's not even the raunchiness necessarily although prioritizing raunchiness over like if raunchiness is the only humor you're doing that gets old to me very quick you're not shocking me you're not going to shock me into laughing because you're so gross I just I'm not built that way Mm -hmm. but you can do raunchy humor in a clever way too and then I'm kind of more on board not because it's raunchy but because it's clever and I find that actually funny but I'm not even talking about the raunchiness with uh, a lot of their comedies that kind of thing it's more the goofballness that doesn't necessarily connect to me uh, in a serious way now the raunchiness is part of that you know um au so to speak <laughs> that they have but um but it's it, it's more the whole thing that just doesn't doesn't quite land with me seth McFarlane's the same way most of the time sure. which has been why it's so strange that i've i've loved the orville i'm uh, really enjoying <laughs> that um because it's i mean it, it's not about that it's a little more authentic feels a little more huh. put together but anyhow so yeah so i those are the only ones that other ones that i would mention before we head on to the rest of the show, uh, just a reminder that this podcast, as well as many others, are supported by you as a fan. Now, you may have heard an ad at the beginning of the podcast. You may hear one at the end. Uh, that is to help support what goes on here in the podcast network. But if you want to support it directly, you can get the ad-free versions of Studio DNA Podcast by supporting at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash DNA. Uh, you will get the ad-free versions as well as any bonus content that's posted for people like the patron pre-shows that the podcasts have here on the network. For instance, on this patron pre-show, I reviewed Ladybird. Uh, which I didn't have a chance to do necessarily in the podcast proper. So if you want to check that out and get the ad-free versions, it starts at 3 bucks a month. Just go to patreon.com slash studiodna. Thank you so much for your support, whether it be through Patreon or by listening to the ads that you hear in these podcasts. Uh, it really helps us out to be able to do what we do. All right, let's do the SIF quest. This one comes to us from Alice from Melbourne, Australia. Cool. So, uh, thank you, Alice, for getting in touch. She emailed feedback at com with this Sift Quest. Uh, if you'd like to send us on a Sift Quest, you can do the same. Hey, guys. As people who love to watch, talk about, in breathe movies... You ever breathe the movie, Phil?
2: That's <gasps> how I, I got asthma. I I tried it once and it didn't work Star really. Wars. <laughs> <sighs> uh,
1: as people who watch, talk about, in breathe movies, do you ever have times when you start to question your ability to judge or analyze them correctly? If so, how do you deal with getting yourself back on track? I recently had a problem with Justice League where, despite its flaws, I came out having a good time only to be confronted with an ocean of hate for it online. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, love listening every week and sending best wishes from Melbourne, Australia, Alice. What do you think about that? How do you think, like, do you feel like you get influenced by, by the response around you and start to think oh maybe I'm wrong
2: yeah and just to be clear I I don't see a lot of movies so I I may answer this question a little bit that's true no that's fair I'd I'd
1: love to hear your answer as somebody who sees fewer
2: movies uh I mean I'm probably maybe more like Alice where I see maybe 12 or 13 movies a year um whereas you're well over 100 maybe approaching 200 I'm
1: well no I'm right about 150 which is where I usually end about the yeah so
2: I'm 10% of what you see, but um yeah i mean there's uh what we just talked about alien covenant there's always movies that i think are going to appeal to certain types of people that are not going to be widely uh agreed upon you know the Mm -hmm. the critics worldwide uh generally didn't like alien covenant but i enjoyed it yeah that's Um, a great example
1: you just you just gave one yeah
2: yeah and I, i don't know that i'm affected like um i mean you like what you like i i think when you hear a lot of vitriol about a movie that you really enjoyed. It definitely makes you rethink, but if you're actually changing your opinion on it, I, I wonder, I, w- I would second guess as to how much you actually enjoyed it to begin with. Um, so, I mean, if well, you... I don't know. Peer pressure is strong, man. Yeah. Like it is strong. When you hear people, especially people you respect,
1: you know, for me, if I hear somebody I respect uh, really disliked a movie I enjoyed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to pay close attention. Yeah. Uh, and and it has impacted my view of a movie when they've said things that I connect to and I go, oh, you know what? You're right. I just missed that or I just ignored that. That doesn't m- make it bad. You know, mm. we all we all choose what to pay attention to. And that's why you can be in a good mood and love a movie and be in a bad mood and hate the same movie. Like it's just because right. <laughs> we choose what to focus on or something at the beginning of a movie will turn you off. And then it shades the way you see the rest of the experience, right? We're human. We have those filters. And so I think it's really valuable to second guess yourself, especially if it's with people you respect and are willing to listen to uh, what they're saying. Now, if you feel like what they're saying is all completely subjective, which a lot of it is, then you can choose to like a movie that somebody else dislikes, you know, but I do think it can be tough. I don't want to sell short you know that that it is that peers do impact the way we see things, right? Uh, for sure.
2: Earlier in the show, you were talking about how um, you enjoy Marvel movies. You enjoy mm. animated pictures, the ones that maybe don't necessarily get picked up by critics or lauded, right? As for they aren't artsy like enough or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you can go to Thor Ragnarok and say, man, what a great film. I really loved it. Yeah. It's, it's not Dunkirk or whatever, but it doesn't have to be. Right, It, it, it achieved what it was going for. Um, do Thor Dunkirk or Rock? <laughs> that's,
0: that's a totally different movie. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, do you ever feel like uh, you have go through periods? I mean, I've kind of just diving into the question a little bit more uh, where you you're watching so many movies and you you get into critic mode of like you know did it achieve this or sure. has the acting or whatever that you lose sight of, of yeah do you it doesn't sound like you do very often but do you No, have, it is the thing
1: I I am resolute not to do so I'm very yeah. focused on not becoming somebody who In fact, it's why it's why I went with your movie friend instead of calling myself a movie critic. Like Mm. I I don't want a critic to me sometimes sounds like you're the person who does it, tears it apart, says here, you know, here's, here's how all the things rank on a scale. And, and it's this, you know, objective formula. And so therefore this is a good movie. And it's like, no, I'm much more about the experience, the subjectivity, uh, my preferences, Because that's more human. I think you have to interact with entertainment in a human way, not a mechanical way. And Mm -hmm. so I don't connect to critics who are more mechanical with their assessment. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you know, enjoyment isn't what everybody prioritizes. I prioritize enjoyment. You know, some people may prioritize, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think depth or something like that. I mean, I think that's important, but, you know, I think we all have our different priorities. So... Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for me, it's it's very important that I that I see a movie as an experience and a personal experience because I don't feel like I'm going to be able to tell people about their what their experience may be if I don't have my own experience. Then I'm just I'm just giving, you know, math equations and that's not that's not what I connect to.
2: I, I do think watching a movie, quote unquote, for fun versus watching it for a review um are different movie watching experiences i think it's almost impossible to, to completely divorce them but um the closest you can like the closer you can get to watching it as an as an experience and you you've talked about that some i think even on the show about how at, at some point you stop taking notes yes, in movies
1: because it was getting me into that critical mindset of the math equation so i stop like and now i have the experience and then i process it yeah. i don't process during the experience now
2: that might be an answer to the second part of her question, which was, how do you get back on track? Like, if you feel like you're getting into over critic mode mm-hmm. and not just seeing movies just to enjoy the experience, how would you get yourself back on track? And maybe, maybe that might be your response is you know, maybe don't take notes for a few movies or, yeah. you know, or, or take less or something like sure. that. Sure. Well, and there's, and there's also a difference of
1: mindset too, in that I call myself a movie optimist, right? I go into every movie as much as I can. I'm human. I'm going to have low expectations on some movies because, you know, stuff gets to me or whatever. But as much as I can, I go into any movie desperate to love it. I want to love it. And that's important to me. Mm. Um, I, 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 I do see some people that go into movies desperate to hate it. You know, they they want to tear it apart. They want mm-hmm. to see what's wrong in it. I'm much more excited to find what's right about a movie than what's wrong. It's mm-hmm. why I dislike doing negative reviews. Uh, it's why I will never, ever, ever do Hold Me To It, uh, a worst of the year list. I just don't find it interesting to focus on what I didn't like. There's mm-hmm. I don't see the value in it or the purpose in it. So I, I very much... Love what I love. And it's also why I get excited when people love what I didn't love, right? Because I'm glad somebody got to have that experience. If somebody tells me they love Mall Cop and because Kevin James is hilarious, I'm like, that's the best thing ever. Uh-huh. I thought it was an awful movie. I had an awful <laughs> experience, but it is so cool that you got to go laugh and have that experience and enjoy it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, you know, if, I, I'm very much a movie optimist. And so I think that does impact the way that I see things or the impact it has when other influences try to influence me. Um, it's just, you know, it's just part of my personality.
2: Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like Alice sometimes where you're not in this camp, but there are a lot of critics out there that get there they they never go see a movie without their just really um, you know, scrutinizing critic cap on. Right. And um she went to go see Justice League walked out and we're like, man, that was an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. And then encounters all the these critics that say, you know not they're saying you're wrong, but they're saying, like, I didn't feel the same way. Right. And she's like, she she's probably feeling like, hey, just go. It's a fun movie. Like, just go. go just go right. and enjoy yourself. Yeah. You know what? You don't have to be so critical. Did you not see Superman fight the Flash? How <laughs> cool was that? Yeah.
1: Well, and that's why I think it's important again for me, because I do feel that way about Justice League. I thought that 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 scene where Superman fought the other members of the Justice League. Was a blast, a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I think I like Justice League more than most critics did. I didn't love it for sure. I would I give it a B minus, maybe something like that. Um, but there's a lot of fun to be had there. And if I can't get past the the negative stuff to notice the positive stuff that that would be really sad for me. Like that's that's why I go to movies is to see that positive you know aspect. So yeah. Um, So, yeah, right there with you, Alice. Uh, Certainly, I think we all question our own. I I think it's valuable, actually, to question our own uh, instincts and tendencies and to hear from other voices, especially respectful, respected voices uh, who can help help you understand what it was about a movie they didn't connect to or what it was about a movie they did connect to uh, and what it was about an experience that they loved or didn't like. And I think that's that's really valuable as we. Is we look for fun entertainment experiences, because at the end of the day, that's what it's about, right? You know, I mean, the purpose is... There, there are two primary purposes for me uh, in interacting with culture and media and those kind of things. Uh, and, and they're both pretty much right at the top for me. Uh, Enjoyment slash entertainment and uh, thinking slash growing. Uh, if, if you can knock both of those out of the park where you're helping me to think about something and grow as a human being, and also I'm enjoying and having... You know, that's that's at the top of my list, right? Ooh. That's why Coco's at the top of my list. Sure. It does both yeah. very, very well. So um so yeah, I think, you know, for me that's kind of what it comes down to. Cool. So it's not it doesn't necessarily come down to your framing was perfect and <laughs> you know, that stuff has an influence, you know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's it's not what it's gonna come down to. Thanks, appreciate that, Alice. Thank you for the question. Again, she sent that in through email, feedback at sifpop.com. You can also tweet questions. Uh, to us uh, at my Twitter at Aaron Dicer, A-A-R-O-N-D-I-C-E-R, if you'd like to send us on a SIFT quest of your own. All right, let's finish up with our buried treasure. Phil, what do you got? What's something in any area of pop culture that you want to dig up and make sure people know about?
2: So I want to talk about an app. So have you heard of HQ Trivia? No. So um, I don't think it's available on Android right now. Um, So if you're an Android listener, you may have to wait. I, I believe it is coming um it is definitely available for ios it is um just short pitch it is a game, a live game show that takes place on your phone and everyone in the world can be a contestant um it is uh trivia questions as the name was mm-hmm. yeah. 12, 12 questions and once once you get one question r- wrong you're out so i'll give the example of the, i've only played this once how I'll, many people play with you uh, so the one game that I played this week, it's every, it's every weekday at I think eight central and then, uh, also at two central and then on the weekends, I think it's just eight central, 8 PM. Okay. And, uh, you have to get in at that time. Like if you're in at like eight Oh two, you missed it. Sure. Uh, and uh, so it's not even just that it
1: pairs you up with a group of people. It's like, no, this is the time we're playing. Yes. So that we can maximize the number of people playing.
2: It is truly live. Like it is a right. it is a live action person on screen. Um, just you know, oh, interesting. Okay, talk, talking yeah. live, uh, and he's he's interacting with the the people you know, huh. in the room and stuff like that. Uh, there were about three hundred thousand people that, like, <laughs> that, that came in. Yeah, I mean, and it's going to grow. I mean, every every game. Like how be... This sounds amazing. Yeah. Um. So you you log in at like eight p.m. Let's say, and there's three hundred thousand people. I'm so uh, wh- excited to try this. Once you're out, you're out. So um, if you get like the forever, fr- if you get no, no, just for that game. Oh, okay. Yeah. If <laughs> you, like, if, wow, this is intense. <laughs> if you get the first question wrong, uh, you can watch the rest of the game, but you cannot participate in any of the questions um and so you'll see that and they show you live like how many percentages left. Yeah. and how
1: many are left <laughs> and so,
2: like well tell us about your game how did it go so i i only made it to the fourth question and i got that sounds one wrong great but how many people were left
1: at the fourth question uh i love this this sounds yeah, really fascinating um,
2: probably i would think i think probably about think, half
1: or are they told
2: no they say they,
1: they say. You just don't remember yeah exactly. i don't remember
2: the number um but yeah they they uh they tell you it's like a hundred and whatever a thousand left but yeah it's about half of half of, People left at that question. I just wow. I didn't know the answer. Um, what was
1: it? What failed you, Phil?
2: Uh, I don't remember what the question was.
1: Oh, we we're so different. It would haunt me.
2: No. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know half of the questions. I mean, after, I could continue watching after that. Yeah. I, I didn't know. It. I didn't know like question five and question six, <laughs> but I didn't know like question seven, eight, whatever. They get really, really hard at the end. These are hard, hard questions. Well, because you got to
1: think people are Googling this stuff too. Like well, how do so they- You
2: only have 10 seconds to answer. So if you can Google well, in 10 seconds- you can seconds, Google in 10 seconds. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I didn't Google anything. I was just going off the dome. But yeah. um, it takes like three or four seconds just to even read the question. So you, you only have about five seconds to really come up with a, an answer once you understand what the question is yeah, I mean,
1: that does that does make it a little more difficult to Google something. Yeah, that, the time, in time, but... the
2: timing doesn't start when they finish reading the question. The timing starts as they're reading but the I question. But I bet people have figured out yeah. how to Google stuff well, quickly i bet people are doing crowdsourcing like 10 people in the room are all looking at the phone or ipad oh at the same yeah time. yeah so there you go yeah i'm, I'm sure there are ways around it but um here's the thing is that the winner uh winners i mean i'm sure there's always more than one winner um that gets all 12 right share a real real cash prize they're, oh. giving, they're giving away real money So and it's not a gambling thing. There's uh, you're not out anything out of your time. There's nothing. There's no cost to play. Uh, And then if you win, if you if you so example the the game that I watched. All you have to do is get them all right. You don't even have to be the fastest. That sounds easy. Like that you could get all twelve questions right. Well, no, I I know it's not easy. (laughs) Uh, It went from three hundred thousand or so down to there were only thirty five winners. Whoa! um, Yeah, thirty five. And the cash prize was a thousand dollars, but it, it gets split. Split thirty-five ways. So everyone got like twenty-eight dollars and change or whatever. But it was real dollars, like real world money. They PayPal the money to you uh, when you win. So that's uh, amazing. Yeah, it's
1: really cool. I mean, I, well, I hope they get big enough to like increase the prizes and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. But because I you got to imagine the number of winners are going to start increasing.
2: Sure. They, I don't. I, you would assume that they're not making any money right now because there's no money to down for players they to, they have to have advertising play. or anything like that. They don't have any advertising. Is at the, the Apple Pay app? Nope, it's a free app, so I you have to assume that they're getting advertising partners on board, and that they will one day be some ads in the middle of the game or something like that. As a present, they're not doing that. So what's it called again? It's called HQ Trivia.
1: I'm gonna do my sad search <laughs> uh, because I'm just wondering if it's iPhone only.
2: It, it's it's coming to Android. Soon. Oh, you're
1: killing me. Yeah, yeah. Right so now, how have, do people not realize there are more Android users than iPhone users? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, that's probably why people start on on iPhone still. Yeah, is actually to to start with the limited and then servers and go wide and yep. uh, So if I was
2: gonna sign up today, uh, and you don't have to have an iPhone necessarily. If if you have an iPad, you have to have some kind of iOS device. Ah, uh, you can participate. So uh, definitely check it out. It's it's very interesting. Um, it's a, it's a fun game show to watch. It only takes about fifteen minutes of your time to go through the entire game, and so um, it's it's very intriguing. So
1: no, it sounds amazing. What,
2: one of the and they're all multiple choice, of course. You don't have to type anything. Ooh. Um, HQ
1: of, Trivia, December fifth, eleven thirty four a.m. Tweeted: Hey world, we hear you also have Android phones. <laughs> HQ has a nice little stocking stuffer coming your Ooh. way. So sounds like by Christmas.
2: Yeah. Oh, joy. Cool. Uh, one of the questions I got that I did not know the answer to, it wasn't the, the fourth question, uh, was uh, who is the only member of ZZ Top that does not have a beard? Ah. And I was like, I don't know any of the members of ZZ Top. No. No. <laughs> so, uh, Did you say it's not multiple choice? It is multiple oh, choice. Oh, okay. All and right. The, the cool thing is there's only three answers. So even if you guess, you have a 33% chance of getting it right anyways. Um, so yeah, the answer to uh, that question was Frank Beard. Frank Beard is the only member of ZZ Top that's awesome. Does not that's have
1: hilarious. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, this this is interesting. I just pulled up an
1: article on it. There, it's definitely hot right now, and they are experiencing, starting to experience some troubles because of how hot they're they're getting. And so they do have some things they're going to need to fix. Um, there was so, some
2: some lag even in the. Yeah, show that it says that I no watched. one
1: wants to make it all the way to the end only to split a thousand dollar pot ten thousand ways. So you know, as the so yeah, I think there are some things they're going to want to. They're going to want to fix because if you've got this big of an audience, you can monetize it somehow, right? Sure. They have to be able to, so that's cool. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've been this excited about somebody's buried treasure. <laughs> that sounds like something right up my alley. Yeah,
2: I can't wait for it to come to Android and you get in on it.
1: My Buried Treasure, uh, as mentioned earlier, is a better version of the themes in The Disaster artists, I think. It also came out this year. It's called Brigsby Bear, and it's Kyle Mooney, who you may know from Saturday Night Live. And it tells the story of, you know what, I don't know that I want to give any of this story away because it's really even the setup for what's happening here it was captivating to me. And if you don't know anything about it, I think just, you know, rent it or whatever and just watch it. And it's but suffice to say, deals with the same themes of Artistic creation, even when it may not be perfect, and pursuing your art, even when there's issues with it, um, and it's a, I think a beautiful film. And I really am starting to love Kyle Mooney. I've enjoyed everything I've seen him in. He has his own unique style of acting and performance. And if you watched him on Saturday Night Live, you kind of get what I'm going for. Uh, and I'm really enjoying his stuff. So it's called Briggsby Bear. Cool. And, uh, you know, I, I just watched it, you know, in award season preparation and, and really enjoyed it. So even considered a best, uh, comedy actor nomination for Kyle Mooney, uh, it, for it's available record. now for rent. Like you can I believe find so. Okay. Yeah. I think you can, you can find it around on iTunes or, or different platforms, um, that you might be able to check it out on. So cool. Well, there you go. We did it, Phil. We did it. We did a podcast. <laughs> Podcasting has happened. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sift Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. If you want to find out more about other live and later shows on the network, uh, follow us at Spreaker. That's where everything is at now. It's Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. You can listen to all the shows in the archive. Uh, You can comment there. You can get in touch with us there. Everything is at Spreaker. Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Uh, or you can search for Sif Pop on Spreaker as well. Uh, you can also use the Spreaker app to do the same thing. So if you want to download the Spreaker app, you should be able to communicate there too. Huge thanks to today's guru, Phil, from the Horrible Movie
2: Podcast. Oh, thank you. I had a, I had a blast, man. That's fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, what What can people check you guys out with these days? What's going on?
2: Uh, so yeah, so I, I uh, actually produce a lot of shows, but one of the shows that I've been producing for a long time is the Horrible Movie Podcast, and uh, we record live on Speaker as well uh, at the same address that you just gave on Sunday nights. Usually we start about 6 30, kind of in that range, central time, and uh, this Sunday we're actually talking about The Room, um, so if you enjoyed uh, this show where we talked about the disaster artists, I'm sure you'll enjoy uh, Sunday. Come and join us live. We'll talk about... Uh, the disaster movie itself, uh, The Room, on Sunday. So,
1: And if you want to listen to that as a podcast, obviously you can subscribe to Horrible Movie Podcast. Yep. Uh, wherever you do your podcasting, just search for Horrible Movie Podcast. They should show up uh, there. So, yeah, it's great stuff. Excited to hear your conversation on <laughs> the best worst movie ever made. Much love and gratitude as well to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at 3 bucks a month comes with some pretty fun perks, including ad-free versions of the podcast, as well as bonus content. You can find out more information at patreon.com slash studiodna. Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. But as mentioned, Spreaker is probably the best place to comment on an episode, if you have a comment for an episode. Or you can email us, like for a Sift Quest, those kind of things, at or excuse me, at Feedback. At sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie loving friends will probably like it too. So let them know about it and that listening is much easier than getting your lines right before the 60th take. Uh, no spoiler chat this week for the disaster artist, but we will be back next week for a little movie called The Last Jedi.
2: I've never heard of it.
1: It's like about these wars that happen in the stars. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, something about da, 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 something like that. Okay. There's a little bit of vwong, vwong, like that kind of stuff. All right, yeah, I'll be interested. Yep, we'll do that next
2: week.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91%